What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode, Casey and Ty. I'm Casey. I'm Ty. Right over there. Well, we got it, fam. We got it for you today, fam. Uh, we were just talking before the show about um, this show that I <laughs> told you about over the past week that I became obsessed with. Um, it's on Netflix. It's called The Circle, and there are two seasons of it, and it's a reality show. But it's kind of like the whole thing is based on social media. And, and the way I kind of thought of it was if you imagine Survivor where they have like these tasks and this is every like reality competition show. There's like all these tasks and then alliances start to form and it becomes a mixture of these challenges and these tasks, but also like this strategy with the alliances and whatever. This show is just get rid of all those tasks and challenges. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the strategies and the alliances. Yes. And, and so for anyone who hasn't seen it, the premise is there's like this apartment building and like eight contestants or 10 contestants or something. They each get a room in this apartment building and they're by themselves the whole time. They do not interact physically with anyone else throughout the entire competition. Um, but they do have a, TV screen on the wall that they can talk to the TV screen and they have these social media profiles on there for the show. And that's how they interact with everybody else is through social media. And that's how the alliances form and the teams start to manifest and people vote each other out and all this sort of thing. But it's just so fascinating. And, uh, yeah, I felt myself getting sucked into it and I just gave in completely. I was just like, I'm not going to fight this. I'm going <laughs> to go with it. I'm going to indulge. And I watched both seasons in like four days. <laughs> Amazing. Bro, you know what? That's like, I love that you're even uh, giving yourself the option for that decision. You know, like, all right, I've seen a couple Am I, am I sticking with this? Am I committed? Am I going for it or am I not? And you dove right into it. And I think you picked the winner to dive into my man. Cause this show, like I've only seen a few episodes and I, one of my questions for you was going to be, what is the difference from the first season to the second season? Cause I jumped into the second season, um, not even kind of really realizing it, but well, let me start there. What, so what was the difference or was there any difference? Well, I did the same thing. I watched the second season first, actually, and then I went back and watched the first season. Um, so I would say the biggest difference, the game was pretty much played the same. There, It's not like a fix. They throw surprises in throughout the course of the season, and so those surprises were different each season, I would say. But um, but the the basic premise was the same. But I would say the biggest difference and I don't want to necessarily ruin it too much for you, but it, it'll be okay. Um, yeah. Spoiler alert. But uh, the biggest difference I would say is that in the first season, so you can go on the show and you can catfish, you know, that's what they call it when you come up with a fake profile and you pretend to be somebody else. That's like part of the show. You can totally do that. And that's just like, is what it is. The first season 
Well, I watched the second season first. And then the second season, there were a lot of catfishes. And it was like totally normal, I guess. And and nobody had really any negative feelings towards it. I mean, yeah, it sucked that like you got tricked, but no one was like, it wasn't like the good guys were the people who were supposed to be real and the bad guys or the catfish. Like they didn't view it like necessarily through that lens. But in the first season, that was kind of how they viewed it. Like if somebody was a catfish, it was like, they, they didn't like them. And like, obviously they didn't find out till at the end, but like, it was like, a, I don't know. They viewed it more or less like the good guys or the honest ones who were themselves and that sort of thing. Which like, whatever, but yeah play the game man yeah play like, the game like like survivor um like they award the they reward the people who play the game and playing the game is like being conniving and deceitful and yeah like that's what it's about so this is the same thing and even more it's on social media it's like all through a keyboard so you really are like full-on catfishing man yeah like one guy this is my favorite guy so far and i haven't finished it so maybe you can tell me what happens a little bit but this the dude who's like the taller dark haired guy white kind of skinnier dude he's like yeah yeah okay weird engineering kind of guy like no one's gonna like me on social media so i'll be my friend the sorority girl who's like this hot 21 year old party chick and he's like pretending to be her i'm like that dude's gonna win i think that like i haven't seen it you've seen it but i think that guy's got my vote as of right now not, I don't want to ruin it for you, but I will say, so going back to what I was saying about the catfishing between the two seasons. So that's kind of how they, like I gave you their perceptions, but also the way it manifests is like in the second season, the finalists are like mostly all catfish, the people who make <laughs> it to the end. Whereas in the first season, the finalists, there's like only one catfish who makes it to the end. So right. Yo, interesting. Talk about this. Speaking of catfish, this one just popped in my head. Um, the the one lady who is catfishing as her husband. Yes. Smart move. Like super smart move. She super was like, smart. he's a good looking guy. She's a good looking guy. So kudos to her for getting, you know what I mean? Like a good husband. And then she's portraying him like single father. Everybody mm-hmm. loves a fucking single girl dad. Come on, Jack. Yeah, that's like the most lovable profile out there. Yeah, you know? and I think she one on one part the game. I think she's like choosing the best character. I think that might be one of the best catfishes, or the guy I said before, the sorority girl, who's like you would expect to be on social media. But then the other thing that I was thinking about is like I kind of get the impression that. Her and her husband, like she might pick up chicks for her husband regularly. <laughs> like it might be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I honestly, who knows? But um, I would say that is also smart. <laughs> What's that? The one girl, the British girl who's like a celebrity wants to bang that guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, you got to finish the season. <laughs> there's so much that goes on. It's like, you got to check it like everything you're saying is like resonating on some level. And I'm like, oh, geez, I got to tell you, but you got to, you got to watch it. But, watch um, I will say, so like from the catfish perspective, I don't think I could do it. I think I would mess up, like, especially trying to be like a girl or something. I think it, I would just like mess up. But 
but her being her husband, like she didn't just pick a guy. She picked the guy she probably knows the best. You know what I mean? Yes. So that's smart too, because I will say the one guy that you, you mentioned, I think he's being the sorority girl. Yeah. I think his name was Jack. He, um, he, yeah. So he's being a girl. Right. And then one of the, one of the challenges that they have to do, it's not really a challenge because it doesn't really matter for any reason, but they play games and the games like can kind of give you some insight into who the people are, how they play the game. Right. And that one of the games is they all get this mannequin, this face, this head of a mannequin, and they have to do makeup on the mannequin and make themselves like make a picture of themselves like with makeup. And it's funny because the two people you're talking about, the guy who's being the young girl and the woman who's being her wife or her husband, they both do what they shouldn't have done. Like the guy who's being the sorority girl, he sucks at makeup. So he does this and it's terrible. And they're like, uh, you might not be who you say you are um, because this doesn't make sense. <laughs> and then the woman who's being her husband, she does a fantastic job. <laughs> and, and they're also like, huh, you might not be who you are either. So like, it's funny. It's just interesting. Like that's a little bit of a telltale sign. I think she has it easier because she can like kind of spin it as he's a girl dad and he's like, you know, has played with makeup with his daughter kind of a thing. But either way, they both kind of mess up there. You know what I mean? Dude, that's a, Ooh, that's interesting. That's good. If I'm the guy playing the sorority girl, you might see me just like, I I don't wear makeup, so I never do it. I don't need to. Right, right. Exactly. But I mean, it's like bad, bad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a dude. It's a dude. It's as if you and I were given a makeup kit and we just tried to do makeup. Bro, it would be bad. It would be bad. But, yeah. but so I looked into this show and apparently, um, like I thought these were like the first two seasons, but the way they were talking about it, like somebody in the first season said, oh, I never seen the show before. And I was like, duh, it's the fucking first season. But... <laughs> I looked it up and it's actually, it's like a British show, I think. And so they do have like multiple seasons, but they, they started um, seasons specifically for Netflix, I guess. And um, so they anyways, did the like, the Ameri- they did the, it's, it's the office. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Steelers. But, <laughs> but I was thinking like when they came up with this show, it was probably such a, like a novel idea to isolate all these people in these different rooms and have them communicate like mm-hmm. through social media and whatever. And it was probably like a really like, Oh, wow, it's going to be so tough for them to do this kind of a thing. But then 2020 <laughs> and COVID hits and we all locked down the whole world. And then we all basically did that. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, shoot. Yeah. That's a great point. I mean, honestly, dude, too, just the social media aspect, like, having the parallel of 2020 and this show like social media it really makes you feel like you're part of something like it makes you feel like you're doing shit you know yeah. what i mean it makes you feel like you're speaking when like you can go an entire day chatting on social media all day long saying this stuff but not have an actual word come out of your mouth and you still feel like you connected with people and stuff yeah. so it's like 
it's on one hand, like that's a positive thing because we had that resource in 2020. But on the other hand, it's like, it's a TV show. So like, do these people know how to communicate? <laughs> like, are they, do they know how to talk to people, you know? And uh, I, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing. I think it's one of those both ways things, but um, yeah, man, it, I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on like, the effect that that had over 2020 and perhaps the circle can be a little bit of an insight, but like everybody being locked down, we were like heavy social media and that kind of thing. And now things are starting to open up a little bit. And it's funny to see how people are interacting nowadays, like yeah. as open up a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, so that show, I think if you, if you start at the beginning, if you're one of the first people who come in and you make it all the way to the end, I think the show only takes like maybe two ish weeks. So like, it's not a very long time that they're in these isolated things, but even in that time, like you can see what you're saying. They actually, they do form like genuine connections with each other and like become, some of them become like real friends and they, they get excited when they're like having conversation with people, like visibly excited when something goes their way. So it's like a real genuine, like, like reaction, I suppose, even if they're being fake people or like playing a game, it still like seems very real from that perspective. So I do think like you're saying, social media as a tool for connection is absolutely true. I don't think that it's some sort of, I don't even know if I think it's some sort of lesser form of connection. I just think it's necessary. It's just different. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it's different in the sense that obviously you're not having a physical connection and we, we like to see people face to face and interact like that for sure. But it's also better in some senses because for two reasons, one, you can reach more people, right? You can reach people that you never would be able to reach. Otherwise you and I are having this conversation across the country. You know what I mean? So like it's better from that perspective. And then also specifically in this game, everything is through text. Like there is no voice messaging or anything like that. It's all through text. And writing, as we know, like allows you to formulate your thoughts in a, in a maybe a better way often, you know? So you yeah. can express yourself more clearly because it doesn't just come out of your mouth. You have a time, you have a chance to think about it. Right. Which, dude, I think that right there, like exactly what you just said, that's the thing. Like that's the like the social media highlight reel because you can think about it and you can delete it and before you publish it and that kind of shit. But when you're in face to face conversation, if you say something stupid, like you can't just retract those words. No, you can't. You know what I mean, and dude, so what I was thinking is, is like it's like it's not like, um, you know, if you're a good runner you that'll help your rowing but your rowing won't necessarily help your running i right? agree with that yeah you know what I'm saying? so like with this you can be really good at social media conversation but it's not going to help your conversation in person and likewise like if you're really good at conversation in person you could be shit on social media like they're two completely different worlds in my head they don't and that don't really intersect they are different, but going off what I was just saying, the writing part of it, like if you get really good at crafting, like if you're someone who's on Twitter and you get really good at expressing yourself, like 
like accurately and like in a persuasive manner on Twitter, that's the only way to get good at that is to force yourself to figure out how to articulate your thoughts, you know, really clearly. That's the only way to be good at it. Otherwise you're just like, you're just going to be part of the noise, the ocean of noise that nobody stands out in. Uh-huh. But if you're one of the people who can figure out how to articulate like a unique idea that you have and get it across to people clearly, and you can do that in 200 characters on Twitter and you're good at it over and over again, that might make you better at talking, actually. It might. I don't know. Because you'll have clearer thoughts, maybe. It could be a good practice. Yeah. yeah. A great way to put it. Because you're right, man. Like journaling, just writing in general, man. Yeah. Like, it just helps you be more articulate like exactly like you just said i wonder if like i would view that as practice because in person an effective response needs to have um or it needs to come in good timing right like if you say some shit to me and the pause is too long and i'm like yep your mom and it's like (laughs) oh dude you you fucking lost it you're you're all exactly you're totally right yeah um so there could be that gap but if you if i think under the perspective of looking at it as practice i'm super on board with that bro i think you're absolutely right like fitting a meaningful thought into 200 characters is not an easy thing to do dude you know what i would i would use as the analogy because i've been reading jordan peterson's book is he does like speeches and debates a lot right and he's a professor so he does professor is a great example um So if you're a professor or a teacher, or if you're doing a debate, you know, leading up to it, you're going to be doing a lot of writing, you know, you're going to be practicing and getting your thoughts together and organizing your arguments and your curriculum or whatever. So the writing leading up to it allows you to organize everything, go back, delete stuff, see how it all fits together. So that's like what you're saying with Twitter can allow you to do that sort of thing. But the ultimate version of what you're working for is an actual speech, you know, a presentation, an argument face to face. Like that's the ultimate, you know, there's nothing better than that. If you can beat somebody on Twitter, that's cool. And maybe you'll win something. Or if you can write an article in the New York Times and somebody writes a better article and they win, so to speak, that's cool. But ultimately, we want to see the people on stage having it out in person. You know what I mean? So I do think you're right. There's ultimately it's that face-to-face talking conversation that has to take place. Right. But the writing can lead up to it. So I think social media, it's used responsibly, we can say, (laughs) or used used intently. Um, Intently. But we also have to look for the intention, right? And like quote mining and all this kind of shit. It's like, you know, all that stuff because social media, once it's out there, it's up there you know, and it's whatever, but, but no, I agree, bro. I I don't think there'll ever be a tweet as powerful as the Martin Luther King. I have a dream speech. No, no. It's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's nothing that is going to hit that heavy that doesn't have like emotion attached to it. And like that we can see as the person is speaking those words. Yeah. You know, like, I, I think you're totally right, bro. Like the ultimate form of communication is still face-to-face, using your voice effectively, speeches, that kind of thing, right? Yes. It's it's talking communication. It's not necessarily 
um, the social media whatnots, you know? Well, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the... Jordan Peterson is fantastic at. I love watching that guy's debates because you can see him thinking, you can see him preparing, you can see him like going back to the Rolodex of what he's thought about and stuff. And he's always seems to be on point, man. He yeah. kills it. Yeah. It's that like, it's the, when you have just words on a screen or on a piece of paper or whatever, even if they're the same exact words as what was said, it takes away the context of like the actual moment that the thing was said, right? Like you could quote, I'm just going to make up an example, but you could quote Jordan Peterson from a debate and you could write it down in an article and it could be this really cool article and it might be really still meaningful. But maybe what happened in real time was his opponent was like, winning the debate and winning over the audience and says something that looks like they have him cornered and he takes a moment and pauses in silence and then delivers that line or what his argument or whatever and it changes the momentum and wins the audience on his side like you won't get any of that from an article you know what i mean but if you're there in person and you see it happen and you feel it all happen the impact is way bigger yes but um so so i do want to go back to what you said though you were asking about like like uh, this whole COVID thing and, and the, I guess it's coming to an end kind of a thing and how it impacted us. So like, and with the circle, like the lack of human interaction. And even in the two weeks that they're on that show, you can see the lack of human interaction really start to affect them. So imagine what it's done to people all over the world who've been isolated. Some people isolated for months on end without seeing anybody or you know it, we've been in the thing over a year now so who knows how long people had gone but dude but I, I think that's a big factor and i think now that things are opening up people some people are going to be super like excited to get back out there and other people might have like i don't know in a weird way they might be apprehensive even though they they miss it but they don't know how to reintegrate kind of a thing yeah yeah like people who let the fear um you know like you dove into the circle right there's some people that dove into quarantine they were like i am fucking quarantining yeah you know what i mean like nobody's touching me the only place i'm gonna go is the grocery and then i'm going home and there's people like that and as things open up like those are the people who are staying on the unemployment. Those are the people who are having like depressive issues, anxiety issues, probably have gained weight. Like it's so unhealthy, bro. Like I think if we're learning anything from this pandemic, there's two things. One is we need to be in shape and we need to be healthy. We've talked about that before. Two, we need face-to-face human contact, right? There's a thing that says like, you need five hugs a day to be happy or something like that. I'm like, dude, that's so true. It's so fucking true because now as things are opening up, it's like people don't know how to talk to each other or the people who are excited, they're like overly talkative, you know what I mean? But staying focused on the people that this might be harming, it's like they're lifting the mask restrictions and you're still wearing a mask. Like you're vaccinated and you're still wearing a mask, you know what I mean? And it's, it's just so crazy to see what the hangover of this looks like for certain people. Some some people are hung over and are like dragging their feet trying to get back into society. And some people are like, you know, hitting the ground running. But um, 
I will say on that note, getting back into the gym with no mask, bro, huge, huge. It's like the greatest thing in the world. You never realize how much working out is like, it's so much better when you don't have that cloth in your face all the fucking time. Yeah. Have you noticed anything? Not to go away from the point, bro. Sorry. Have you noticed anything like that or any like weird interactions or people kind of being off with, um, you know, everything opening up back in Pennsylvania as I'm, I'm in Colorado right now. So some people are weird. Some people are cool. How is it for you guys? Yeah, I would say, so like speaking of the gym, we haven't been wearing masks in the gym, like at all, period. Like, oh, <laughs> that's just, that's Get just how we've been here, doing bro. it. Now that I'm not talking about Pennsylvania. I'm talking about the gym I go to, but we're just like, we're just like, we're not doing that, which is totally cool with me. Um, like, and it's so funny because you would have people in there that you might have thought would be like masked people, but clearly they're not because they're in here. Um, yeah. So it's just kind of funny. But every other place that I go to, like any other, any name it, any other restaurant, store, anything, they still have like the mask requirement. Um, so like it just is what it is. So you put on the mask and you go in because that's just how they're doing it for now, I suppose. And I don't mind that at all, to be honest with you. Um, but as soon as they're like, you know, we don't have to, then I'm like, cool, let's go. Um, because you know, it's funny. I was talking to some guy the other day who was talking about like this guy owned a business and he walked into the business without his mask on. And this, I think this was in PA. Yeah. And he walked into the business without his mask on the owner. And, um, one of the customers there, like kind of pointed at him and was like, you got to put on a mask or whatever. And he's like, this is my business, my rules kind of a thing. So I'm like, I'm with you, except this is the same guy who also goes into other businesses without his masks on. Right. And they asked him to put his mask on and he gives them a problem. And I'm like, what happened to their business, their rules? You know what I mean? Yep. So like that, that's, I'm with you on if you're the owner and you decide that you don't want to, do it anymore cool i'm in i won't do it but if the owner wants you to do it like come the fuck on just do it so that's kind of how i feel about it but yeah, uh the rules don't only apply when you want them to yeah when, like a, like your big brother beating you in a video game or some shit yeah exactly you know I mean? so yeah, that see those are the kinds of people who are gonna keep this as a controversy and not allow us to move forward yeah you know what I mean? it's those hypocrisies it's those people who are like just being difficult you know like stop fucking being difficult and just help everybody help everybody you yeah, know i dude i couldn't agree more because um, i and i agree too like there's some restaurants here in denver that uh you don't have to wear a mask at all you know like i walked in to put my name in and i like kind of had my mask going and the hostess doesn't have a mask on so I'm like, oh fuck yeah perfect you know cool i'm totally down with it right run your own business the way that you want to run your business um, I mean, honestly, I think that's how it should have been from the jump of this. I don't think it should have been required for anybody. I think people should have been able to have autonomy. I think, right, there was a restaurant in New York that was like autonomous zone, remember? And it was like, wear your mask if you want or something. And they just oh, got wow. sued out the ass. But interesting. that was like throughout the whole pandemic, you know, they were fighting for it. But, but anyway, yeah, man, I, I just think like, I don't know. It's a, it's a way for people to feel like self-important. It's a way for them to feel significant 
if they're going to stir up trouble or like this guy going into some other business, like, well, my business doesn't require masks, like blah, 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 blah. And it's just like making, it's his way of making himself feel significant in other people's lives. And it's like, fuck you, man. You don't need to do that. Well, you dude, know? that, that sounds, um, I mean, I'm sure it, on some level, it's like a similar thing. Like I don't want to make false equivalents here or anything, and I do understand in the beginning when we don't really quite know what this is. And sometimes you might have to say like, yo guys, we got to wear a mask for a little bit. I get it. But at a certain point, I think we've obviously gone past the point now, like masks should have become a little less, a little less required, I would say months ago, but you know, whatever we're here now. But what I'm getting at is that I think it's like a similar thing as to what you were telling me before we started. So I'd like to hear more about uh, like, you know, people trying to control other people's health, right? And their bodies and what they do with their bodies. And you were talking about Texas abortion laws, something changed recently, I guess. And I don't know anything about it. So tell me, fill me in. Yeah, for sure, man. That popped into my head too. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, Dude, so I just read this article about it and we talked briefly. I think Georgia did something similar, but that was a little bit ago and I don't exactly remember what that was. But this most recent one from Texas. So here are the ins and outs of it, bro. These are these are like the two main things you need to know. Okay, abortions in Texas are illegal after six weeks. So from the day that you get pregnant, right? You you get you know you and your partner bang on Monday. Six weeks from that Monday is when you're able to have an abortion. Which is. Let me just do some quick math. That's 42 days. And some girls have a cycle time of like 38 days or 39 days. Like worse. Come on. It gets worse. It gets worse, bro. So that being said, right? Like you just said, if you if your cycle is even four weeks, a missed period, you don't know until five weeks. Right. Probably even six, because being a week late is not uncommon, especially if you're stressed. Right. You know what I mean? And so if that's what you're waiting for, right there in and of itself, the timing is just preposterous. Yeah. Like most people don't know until you've missed that period and you're probably around like eight weeks. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so what they said is, and this is what I neglected to look up and I, 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 I probably should do a little bit of research on this, is once there's an active heartbeat, no abortion which happens, I suppose, around six weeks. Um, I don't know why they would choose six weeks if with having that law out there. So I'm just assuming that those two are correlated. You know what I mean? Um, The other thing about this, bro, the other angle of this, right? The six week thing is that's the law. Like that's, that's what the bill says, basically. Additions to it, dude, are you ready for this? If you are caught, you tie so you Tylena Fisher are on week seven, right? And you're choosing to have an abortion, but it's week seven. If anybody, 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 any citizen walking off the street hears about this, they can sue you for breaking the law. They can sue me. They can take you to court and have you sue you. I don't know exactly what the suit standards are. Like, is that like, what is the suit? 
called or like what, you know what I'm saying? But the article that I'm reading is the way that Texas is helping to enforce this is by empowering ordinary citizens to be able to bring up lawsuits against people that they know might have had an abortion outside of six weeks. So any schmuck off the street can go to any planet parent or planned parenthood and say, this one person out of the hundred that you've seen had an abortion on week seven, I'm suing planned parenthood. Dude, that's crazy. Um, man, you know what I can't help but think about is like these Southern states, man, they're so tough to figure out. Because, like, you want to go to places like Texas and, like, Florida and, like, Georgia. You want to go there, like, specifically Texas and Florida for tax purposes and then for COVID stuff. Yeah, like, the freedom of the COVID stuff and all that sort of thing. But then they have, like, these weird voting laws and then these abortion laws. And you're like, what is going on? You know what I mean? Like, I thought I wanted to go to this place and then you do some weird shit like this. It's like, come on. Dude, so here's the quote that got me, bro. Um, shit, man, I really wish I wrote I wrote it down because um, I'm not going to get it correctly, so I'm paraphrasing, of course. All right. The governor who signed off on this, um, he said, our creator, again, this is not a direct quote. This is me just saying it again. I want to get that straight. It was along the lines of our creator gave us the power to create life so we shouldn't destroy it. That's not the exact wording, but you get the gist, right? Yeah. My problem here is, bro, is it seems to me, and I like keep coming back to this. What the fuck happened to separation of church and state? Why are we making fucking laws based off of this guy's religious belief? Because that's what it is in these Southern states. They're heavy Christian states, and these laws reflect those Christian values because people who aren't necessarily Christian are more often than not more liberal about things like abortion or gay marriage and stuff like that. But the biggest problems in these southern states are those social issues because they follow this like hardcore, I'm just going to say Christian sort of doctrine, and it's fucking ridiculous. It's so like like get your head out of your ass and get with the times is what I'm thinking. Yeah. I don't think church and state, I don't think that separation ever actually happened. If I'm being honest with you, I think it's the thing that bothers me so much about politics. I I don't think that ever actually happened. I think they wrote it down. Right. Like that was it. They just wrote it down. (laughs) You know what I mean? And there's what's done. Yeah. I think, so there's like the separation of church and state and then there's, religious freedom and we we got religious freedom but we never actually did anything with the separation of church and state we just kept electing people who were going to serve these religious like narratives i suppose but um but like when you dude for that law is like you're quoted as the reasoning for that law is something directly tied to a religious view it's like that's the like if even if you, if you were to say that I'm like super opposed to it because that's not religious freedom. Now you're creating laws 
that impose your religious beliefs on the way that I'm allowed to live. That's not religious freedom. That's true. Yeah, yeah. But what would you call? Oh, sorry. What would you call like a gun, though, or a knife? Like the creator gave us the power to create life. Okay. Didn't they also give us the power to take it away? Like, exactly. Because we do it all the time. Exactly. Yeah, bro. That's the same fucking dude who's going to send people to war to go kill other sons and, and fathers and shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so where's the line? Where's the line? You know? The, the abortion thing is tough, man. It's such a tough one because I'm going to kind of steal from this Jordan Peterson book that I'm reading, but he talks about the idea of having like these two conflicting values at the same time. And abortion is one where you can very easily have two conflicting values at the same time, because you right. can look at it from the perspective of this potential life that you want to save. So like you don't want there to be abortions, but then you can also look at it from the perspective of this, this girl, this potentially like 16 year old girl, or who cares how old she is. She might be older, but this woman who is maybe going to be put in a situation where she's now condemned to like a life of poverty because she has to take care of this child that she can't support. And now they're both going to suffer. And it's like, what did you just do? Yeah. So I, I can understand that there's conflicting values on this. So it's a tough one. You know what I mean? No, I think it's, I think it goes like this, bro. And, and you're alluding into it. And actually I'm, I'm recalling another number from this article that I'll get with. Um, every single person would agree if you just said blankly, yo, don't kill babies. You're like, yeah, yeah, I think you're right, man. I don't think I'm going to kill that baby. You know what I mean? But that's like, that's the straw man. That's, that's, that's not the issue. You know what I mean? The issue is like a quality of life issue. Like you just said, you know, this law in Texas, it, it also applies. Like if you, if a girl gets raped and gets pregnant, you know what I mean? Yeah. Six weeks, bro. Doesn't fucking matter. Six Crazy. weeks. You're stuck with that, you know, and it's it's that kind of stuff. And so the one statistic or the one number that was out there, I think it said in 2019, there was a recorded 56,000 abortions in Texas. And the opposing side said that's 50,000 or 56,000 lives that we're going to save with this new law. Now, think about it like this. We already have record unemployment. People can't make money right now. A lot of those people probably would end up like, it, I think it's fair to say that of those 56,000 people, the majority of them probably like wouldn't be able to provide a great quality of life for that child. Yeah, I think that's fair. Now you're bringing in nearly 50,000 or 56,000 people into this world that our economy can't support, these parents can't support, and we're ruining quality of life for the parents and for the kids. So what are we actually doing? Yeah, nothing. You know, like, and it, Where's the longevity in this thought? There isn't any. Yeah, you need to like... You, you need, if you're going to prevent people from having abortions, then there needs to be like ample surplus care provided right. to people who have children. You know what I mean? Like, like if you want them to bring this child into the world, then pay the fucking bills for them. You know what I mean? 
Right. <laughs> right. Like if you're going to dictate how I control my life, you know, you got to step up and fucking help a little bit. You know, like look at how many people suffered that already had kids in 2020. It's unfathomable, unfathomable, unflappable. It's unflappable, dude. And we're going to just make these challenges even harder for people by appeasing some bullshit religious view, which in, you know, that's fucking stupid to me. But I'm with you, dude. Yeah, I, bro. It just, it's crazy, man. It's crazy talk, you know? It's crazy talk. And I'll give my personal views on it. And, you know, I know he's a bit of a sore subject, but Louis C.K. Um, uh, is there I, something recent that I missed or? No, nothing recent. Just, you know, the whole like whatever happened a couple years ago. But um, he had this joke a few years back that I still think is like, it, it, it pretty much encapsulates my entire view on the matter. Okay. And I, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but more or less he says something along the lines of like, he's like the people who are opposed to it, they think babies are being killed. So obviously they are like going to be standing out there and protesting, obviously. Uh-huh. And he says, he says something like they don't, they say to you, like, you know, you're killing a child. Right. And he just kind of goes like, yeah, but like, whatever. <laughs> like that's, that's like his view. <laughs> he's like, yes, I know. But like, yeah, he's, like, he's like the people who are in who are in um, support of abortion. They they like to say that it's not really a life, and he's like, no, that's kind of ridiculous too. It, it it kind of is. Like if you let it go, it would be a child. But I'm just like, whatever. Right. <laughs> it's called what it is. Yes, he's like, I am. He's I like am. you know what? Not upset about it. Not in, upset in some about in that. some weird like um, I don't know mythical way i'll say it's like a woman does have the power to bring you into this world she should have the power to take you out i don't know what else to say like it's it's not my it's not what i would choose for somebody like i don't want that to happen to somebody but if anybody can do it it's it's the mother you know what i mean yeah 100 percent 100 he's the gatekeeper you know yeah man I, I just think i agree dude and this isn't to say that i'm like all for abortion up until like the 40th week because i don't think that's true yeah but six weeks dog six weeks come on we got to get reasonable yeah you got to give people i don't know what the actual number would be uh i'm not like a prenatal doctor or whatever but it's got to be more than that <laughs> it's got to be more than that it has to be a reasonable amount of time where yes. any reasonable person would definitely be able to know that they're pregnant yes. and have had at least enough time to make a, a decision. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So like, I don't know if that's like, like, I, I don't know. I'm just going to make up numbers because I really don't know, but maybe that's like three months or four months, something like that. Like where, you know, you definitely missed and then you've had some time to think about it. Right. Right. I, I think, I don't know. The number that's coming into my head. So there's a theory out there that's like based off of measurable brain activity as like, that's when we should cut off um, abortion. I forget. I think it's called viability is when I, I think when a fetus becomes viable, that's when it's showing like neuro muscular activity or brain activity and that kind of thing. And it's right around that, like 20 to 24 week mark. Okay. Yeah. I think there's a point, there's a point where you can take, 
you theoretically could take the baby out of the mother and put it on like machines that we have or whatever the fuck, you know, and then they would be able to sustain it outside of the mother. I don't know if that's the point where you call it or not, but, but it's definitely more than six weeks. It's got to be further than just a heartbeat because (laughs) think about it like this too, bro. People might have a heartbeat, but we still euthanize them if they have no quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. So again, like on the other end of things, when we have elders who, you know, want the plug to be pulled, we do it, you know? Yes. They have a heartbeat, but they're not getting out of this hospital bed for any, Mm -hmm. for the rest of their life. So how does it any different in the beginning of life versus the end? It's the same sort of context. Yeah. You should, you just need more time. You definitely, you definitely, it's not six weeks for sure. Sure. And it's probably, I mean, it's, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. It's not six weeks, but it's also not like the day before you're supposed to give birth either. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's somewhere in between there. I think we can agree. Yeah. But anyway, if you're going to make it, if you're going to make it illegal all around, then like I said, you got to provide people with support then. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, which whatever. If that's the fallback plan, government support, I think we all know how that went this year. <laughs> yeah, that didn't really work out, did it? I don't know if I would rely on that too heavily. But uh, shit, man. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's a topic, I'll be honest with you, bro. Like, I will get heated on. And like, I, it's just the whole idea of other grown adults telling me what I can and can't do, you know, whether it's COVID whether it's mass, whether it's, you know, abortion and whether it's whatever else there is out there, you know, like, fuck you. (laughs) Who the fuck are you to tell me how I can and can't live my life as long as I'm not harming somebody else? Well, well, yeah. And and I, I always go back to this too. Every time we talk about any of these subjects, like we always have a tendency, like just as a society to think that there is supposed to be a like an absolute black or white answer. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And we lose sight of the fact, and I say this all the time, but we lose sight of the fact that everything in our law system, our legal system, in our like societal, cultural, like all of it is just a philosophy. Like it's all like up for debate. You know what yep. I mean? And yep. so when we try and say like absolutely you should never, ever, under any circumstances, ever, no matter what, be allowed to kill someone. Like, well, no, that's not true. There's definitely situations where you have to kill someone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. right. Justifiably, too. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. So, like, it's all there's you can make up a case for any of these things, like a mask. You can make up a case where that's reasonable. You can make up a case where it's reasonable to get an abortion. You can make up a case, all of this stuff, right? Like, I don't know. I, f- I feel like we need to stop looking at it through the lens of like the absolutes and try and agree on reasonable like situations, reasonable middle grounds. Yeah, bro. That's a great, that's a great suggestion. Um, Cause you're right, man. We, things cannot be black and white and we're constantly trying to make them black and white. But what we need to do is realize that we're operating in a gray area and change our operation protocols. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if we're trying to make things black and white, we're going to ask certain questions to make things black and white. But if we know we have to operate in this gray area where it's contextual and intention matters and the situation matters, we need to formulate new questions to better uh, understand what's happening in all of those scenarios. And 
we're not doing it because, you know, the left wants it to be one way and the right wants it to be one way. You know what I mean? And the middle way, the middle path, the Buddhist middle path doesn't really exist. Yeah, but it, it does. It does. We just don't pay attention to it. Maybe that's a better way to say it. But, you know, yeah, it's crazy, bro. What do you think? Do you uh, do you want to hear about Israel and Palestine real quick? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was curious about that because, you know, I've been seeing it all over the news and stuff. And um, it, I'll be honest, man, I, I don't know a lot about the recent events. But what my understanding is, is this war and violence has been going on for longer than just this round of uh, events. Right. This has been a longstanding kind of conflict for years and years, 50, 100 years between these two or three or four areas. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um yeah, I think before this one, I think they were saying the most recent outburst was in like 2014, maybe, maybe 2015, 2014, something like that. So it's still pretty recent, but you're right. It goes back even further. Like, like um, I guess it's hard to say like exactly specifically when the whole thing started because the way it's set up. So Israel and Palestine, Israel, like, I guess is what's, um, recognized, I'll say, nationally as the country or the state, and Palestine is technically not really recognized as its own state. Um, it's recognized as like part of Israel. And anyways, Israel, generally speaking, is a Jewish state, and Palestine, generally st- speaking, is Muslim. So it's like this religious conflict. Um but the actual conflict, I guess, more accurately is rooted in like the ge- geography. They're arguing over like land, you know. But you know, it, it kind of kind of built upon the religious thing too. So, anyways, I think after like World War One is or two, I mean, is when they founded Israel, and then there was like like a debate over how much land they should get versus how much land the Palestinians should have. And just over the years, there have been like treaties that have been brought forth by one side or the other. And like, uh, I guess it just never fully satisfied anyone's um, like, you know, perspectives, I guess. And I think what I heard is that over the course of the years, four or five times it has been Israel who comes with this two-state solution and Palestine has always said no to it uh, because it wasn't like, I guess, what they were looking for. I don't know. I could have that wrong. But anyways, it's gone back and forth and they couldn't agree on anything. And so it's always just kind of tensions have built up periodically and then outbursts happen. And then most recently, um, are you good? You still here? Yeah, sorry, my my internet just uh, wonked out, bro. Did was it all right on your end? Yeah, yeah, we're good, we're good. Um, okay, cool, my bad. All, so what I was saying was they've had these treaties come up over the years. They never fully satisfied it, uh, both sides' perspective. Right, right. Historically, it was Israel, I think, who brought the treaties forward, and Palestine who said no. But um, so what's going on now is so these tensions build up and they result in violence periodically over the years. What's going on now is during Ramadan, which is like the holy month of in the in uh, Islam, it's like they, it's we, I think it's when they do their fasting and it's like just like the biggest like por- 
portion of the year, I think, for them. There's this mosque in Jerusalem, I believe, and Jerusalem is a city that they fight over a lot because it's a it's important to both religions and to Christianity too. Um, right. So like, there's a lot of contention over Jerusalem specifically, but there's a mosque, and I think every year, like during Ramadan, like tens and tens of thousands of people go to this thing um, to pray, and. I think Israel said, okay, well, this year, no more than 10,000 people. So how do you control that, dude? Like, how do you say like, hey, we're going to let 10,000 people in, but not 20,000 people in? Like, like, right. how are you going to control that? That's insane. Like, if you're, if you're limiting it to nobody, then you can just make sure nobody shows up. But like 10,000 people, so you're going to open the doors so 10,000 people can get in and then try and shut them so no one else does. It's kind of crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so anyways what happened they're praying at this mosque and like the israeli um i don't know some sort of police force or whatever comes in and like starts kicking people out there's like tear gas and like like flashbang grenades maybe i don't know stuff like that like on like while they're praying at their holiest site on like their holiest like time of year and it's just like this crazy shit show and so obviously yeah. And then, so obviously like they start to push back and it's like this contentious thing. And then simultaneously Israel has been encroaching on Palestinian land. They've been like evicting Palestinians from their homes and knocking them down and building up like these new Israeli settlements that's been going on for decades. And so like all that's been going on. And then this situation happens and it just resulted in like, uh, I guess, a violent protest, a protest that turned violent, I would say. And then, so I think people died during that initial protest. And then what you have is you have the Israeli leader, his name's Benjamin Netanyahu. He's like being faced with this possibility that he's not going to be reelected. So he's kind of in a situation where he needs to do something to like assert himself and then you also have this group called Hamas, which is in, is in part of Palestine, and they are more or less a terrorist organization, but they can kind of like cloak their actions, I'll say, under the guise of standing up for Palestine. You know what I mean? Okay. Like they can fight against Israel. and but they, they have an agenda? Yeah. What they did was they like launched rockets at Israel and like... Okay. They can say that it's because of all the un, like unjust things Israel has done, but it's like, eh, I think they, anyway. they probably have their own agenda. You know what I mean? Like they're not just like a noble cause. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so you have these two groups. You have the Palestinian group that wants power, Hamas, and then you have the Israeli leader, Benjamin Netanyahu, who also wants to secure his power. So like okay. they can both kind of benefit from a war if one of, you know, if one, if their side wins, right, then they like get power. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like this ulterior motive kind of thing. And so it's super complex, but I think actually today or yesterday, they, they announced that they came to some sort of ceasefire. So that's yeah. good. Yeah, man. But super so many people, so like just in the past 10 days or whatever it's been, 11 days, like 200 and some Palestinians were killed and like women, children, like, you know, just civilians and shit. And I think 12 Israelis died as well. 
But like, so you can see the disparity right there, you know? That's not saying that like it's justified or anything by any means, but like there's definitely disparity in capabilities, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have the whole Israeli like national forces, for lack of a better term, versus this Palestinian like kind of smaller group. Militia. Uh, Yeah. It's like it's like one of our crazy militias here fighting the army or like the, you know, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, man. You know, I, to me, man, this, this, a lot of this falls under the category of like, uh, like what this relates to for me is like Vietnam. It was a religious war that the US kind of inserted itself into, and not to get into that, but it sounds kind of similar, right? Where it's a religious war with, of course, there's other things going on and other. Yeah. Mo- and whatnot but just under that guide of like you, you never want to enter a religious war because it'll never end and it'll ne- no one ever wins a religious war is what they say because yeah. you will die for your religion and both sides will continue on until you're essentially gone and everybody's gone you know what I no mean? that's exactly right like it's, it sounds it's- like that's what's happening is like there's there needs to be I, and I don't know if this could ever happen, but there needs to be some sort of like tolerance inserted to both sides yeah. of the side. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, I think so. It's a, it's always important talking about this stuff. Like, and and I think it ha- we have this like we're super sensitive to this stuff, especially right now in America. Anything to do with like anything that smells like it's racism, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you could say China sucks. Like, fuck fuck China. And, and people think that that means that you don't like Chinese people. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, no, I'm talking about the government that does shitty things. Like I say, you know, like fuck the American government, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and so it's important to separate when you're talking about these types of things, like you could easily say fuck one side or the other side. Most people, when they say that are probably not talking about the people, you know, they're probably right. talking about the government that's doing the unjust stuff or the uh, terrorist organization that's doing the unjust stuff. You know what I mean? It's so like, like fuck the actions. Yeah, fuck exactly. Like not like the persons. Yeah. Or, or I mean, you know, there might be a specific person who's doing the action. Sure. Fuck that person. But yeah. like what I'm getting at is when you say that about one side or the other, it doesn't mean that you, you like are, are don't like, those people is what I'm getting at. So from my perspective, it definitely seems like you have this, it's just this back and forth thing, right? And anytime one side does something, it's because the other side did something before. And it just Uh keeps going back and back and back, decades, centuries, even whatever. And I think at a certain point, like if you truly want to solve this and stop it, and come up with a separate Israel and separate Palestine that can coexist next to each other peacefully, then both sides are just going to have to stop this cycle of retaliation and forget about it and start fresh. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. yeah. the only way to do it. And, and you could say like, how could you ever start fresh with this group that did so many horrific things to us or this, whatever you have to, you have to, yeah, that's it. You have to. If you truly want the peace to come, then you have to. That's yeah. it. You know what? And I'll relate it even to something kind of American, like the 
Black Lives Matter versus like Blue Lives Matter, you know, cops versus minority groups, right? There's so much going back and forth. And like, obviously I'm not gonna, like not to get into the whole, you know, like cops definitely take advantage of this in our history, you know what I mean? But at a certain point for us to have peace moving forward, we have to figure out a way to feel peaceful about moving forward. Yeah. So like with Israel and um, Palestine, like they're going to have to figure out a way to peacefully compromise on some level. Well, that's the thing is the compromise. You have to, this is not to say, this is not to say that you just stop fighting and don't change anything. No, you do have to come up with the compromise. Exactly. There's things that do need to change in our policing system here for sure. 100%. 100%. But when we agree to those changes and we implement those changes and we all think it's reasonable, then we need to move forward with a clean slate as best as we can. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what has to happen here. They need to come up with some sort of agreement on territory and stop. Honestly, like historically the Israeli government has done pretty unjust things to the Palestinians. Like historically it's kind of what it's been. So that needs to stop. They need to come up to a compromise and settle these land disputes. You need to get the terrorist organization out of there for sure um, and establish like an actual government. And then once they have that set up, then we need to move forward peacefully. But I mean, that's obviously so much easier said than done, obviously, but like. But in reality though, like, It's easier said than done, but also as it's said, so it should be done. You know what I mean? Like that's how we create ideas. Get that one again, dude. That was you been you had that one in the chamber for days, and I need to hear it again. I never heard that one. Easier said than done, but but as as it's said, it should be done. So it should be done. So it should be done. Boom. You know what I'm saying, bro? I hear you, man. I, I just think um, it, as an outsider looking in, the solutions are there. Not being in the middle of all of it. Um, if my family got evicted, you bet your ass I'm joining that militia. So right? I get it. Right? Get it. Exactly. You know what I mean? And vice versa, you know? So, I, hey, man, I, I understand. I really do. I, I think, but also I think in understanding, you can to you know, critically think your way to seeing like, okay, I can short-term go kill this person or I can figure out a way to make sure this never happens again to myself or my neighbors. Yeah. There's yeah. different problem solving protocols that come from those questions. Just like we were saying before, if we want to keep things black and white, it's a different question to ask. If you want to live and operate in that gray, you have to ask a different question to allow you to do that. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, maybe that's the crossroads is like, we're, you know, when we get stuck in these things, like, you know, like, at home black lives matter versus police or this other conflict in Israel and Palestine, like maybe they're just asking the wrong questions to spur the, the reactions and that kind of thing. Um, well, I think is, it's, I don't have an answer for that. It's hard to do that. Yeah. It's definitely hard to do. And I think like, so Muslims and Jews across the world. And I think even in Israel, like I think most of them, the vast, we say this about our country all the time. Most of them, the vast majority of them, are just like, we just want the fighting to stop. Let's come to a peaceful solution. Like the people feel that way. I think most of them, obviously there's always gonna be extremists, but most people just want a peaceful solution. 
it's the governments and the people in power who use these things to their advantage. Like I said, both sides have a group that's trying to like establish power over their respective groups. And yep. this is a way for them to potentially do it if they can seem like they're a protective force against this evil outside, you know, uh, threat. Because that looks better in the history book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So that's, I think, what's fucked up about it right now. But I mean, it's good to know that, like I said, I think yesterday they came to a ceasefire. So maybe, cool. maybe they can figure it out. Progress is progress, right? Yeah. But Hey, bro. How you feeling, man? I got to hop out of here, I think. Yeah, no, we're good. I'm good. Cool. cool. But, uh, as always, thank you guys for watching. We appreciate it. Let us know what you think. Leave a comment below. Subscribe, share, like, all that jazz. And uh, we will see you next time. On it, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Peace.